0: Hey everybody, this is Scotty Schwartz. You know, Flick from a Christmas story. I triple dog dare you to continue to listen to Bobby and Jason's awesome 80s podcast.
1: Heidi Ho! Heidi Ho, we are here live in Las Vegas on tape, my brother. That's right, my man. Give me some give me some skin. Can you hear that? My name is Bobby Catalano, and over there is Jason Pasco. And we are Bobby and Jason's awesome 80s podcast
2: yes we decided to only have one episode of the dumbest podcast <laughs> yeah we, we did one and we're out yeah we're done that's enough for us so what's been going on with you oh just you know
1: did, i noticed you had a little rant the other day
2: yeah well you know things get under my skin you know i happened to be out we went out and uh, where was I? I went to uh, uh sam's Sam's Club. Sam's Club and Smith's. So these are two of our, you know, everybody knows yes. Sam's, but here in the West, Smith's. Right. You know. Smith's is a
1: uh, like a supermarket chain. Yeah.
2: And I just saw them when it was October 1st. You saw the
1: Christmas, Christmas trees. trees and all yes. the goodies. Yeah, man, it's way too early
2: for that show. <laughs> October 1st, man. I was just, you know, it's still here. It's still blazing hot, everybody out there. And just to see those Christmas trees just after, you know, you see the Halloween candy. Right. And you see Christmas
1: trees. It doesn't make any sense, man. You know, it's all about marketing, making money. Christmas is, is, is all about, you know, money. Cha-ching. Exactly. exactly. I noticed a lot of fans on the Facebook page agreed with you. Yeah. People were posting. I found, I actually posted some pictures myself that I found. Some, I found Christmas cookies. Oh, I, I saw I mean, that. what the hell is that <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. And everybody out there uh, in listening land, uh, when I put the little parentheses on the Facebook page, it said it was me posting so it was him yeah there's only one person that could post and it's you know bob because you know you guys know me i don't hang out on social media i'm kind of like backwards so (laughs) he's getting better with it i'm working on it kids so um
1: you want to recap a little bit of 14 14 was last week Uh, we uh talked about our boys wham
2: yeah da, da, you, know? da, da, da. you were
1: a little confused about the second album
2: yeah i couldn't i was you like just, oh my god jason was glitching out <laughs> what happened to <laughs> yeah what happened to edge of heaven forgot oh, all god. about that one <laughs> How you even do a show with me man i don't know yeah, but, yeah it was, but,
1: uh, it's good to talk about george michael i mean he was such a big part of our lives so. yeah
2: such a big part of our lives and everybody that you know follows, follows us follows us knows that's what you know We're, we're good for, I don't
1: know if we mentioned this, that he, um, he wrote us a letter back in the day and Dave Raymond, who was the host of the first host of dance party USA, the show, um,
2: he read the letter
1: on the air and you know, it's, you know, it's fucked up, bro. I I think I misplaced it. I don't even know where I know somewhere. I should have it framed, right?
2: Yeah. You've got like a bunker. He's got got, got, like a bunker where he's got like all his mail
1: to dig that up (laughs) so I could scan it and show everybody yeah. so
2: What was it? Somebody said that you should do a lip sync too and I had to leave a little snarky comment. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you should redo it. It would be great. Oh man, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe we could find some stuff down there. But uh, hopefully everybody out there is in the uh, Halloween spirit. Speaking of Halloween spirit, man, I know, I, I know you like to dress up for Halloween. I love dressing yeah, up Yeah, man, Halloween. it's fun. But it's get, fun. one thing we're not going to be this year is clowns, right? Oh, the crazy <laughs> clowns in the street harassing peeps. <laughs> like a clockwork orange or something i think in some sick way that it is all some type of promotion right for the new it movie
1: oh so that's your that's
2: my idea okay. because look you don't see on the news any killer clowns you don't hear you just hear these one or two little you know incidents. it's messed up though it's it's affecting like real clowns who do <laughs> exactly. business
1: like you know kids have parties and the clown would show up and are, now like nobody wants to hire clowns
2: <laughs> well, i don't know not why anybody even, would want to anyway I mean, not even a happy clown <laughs> so you gotta be so but you know inside any happy clown that's doing a kid's party <laughs> he's a crazy person maybe one day we'll dress up as clowns oh i don't know about i've heard that you get arrested you're not allowed to be one yeah uh, for halloween well well, but i think like i said a marketing thing like when they used to have those lights on the sneakers i think they came out in the 80s like those little flashing led lights and they'd be like kid lost he's found you find out it's really a, a marketing arm for you know Reebok or something. so by the way this is episode 15 I don't know if we even said that <laughs> we kind of just, just we just blew through that got to the like, Christmas shit Bob and I are just like two chatty anyway here. speaking
1: of Christmas we uh have a special guest coming up and uh <laughs> yes we do everybody knows who he is because he was in the intro <laughs> Yes, he, he,
2: he double-dog dared you brother exactly well he double-dogged each and every one of you that's right this. and
1: I'm sure everybody knows who we're talking about and he's coming right
2: up. Yes, he is. Well, I like the way you make that sound, though. So we did do a pre-tape of it, you know, because uh, we told you about it last episode. Right. But uh, yeah, Scotty Schwartz, just a cool dude, man. Yeah, just, Scott,
1: he's a dude. He's just totally cool. Scott Schwartz cool. is a real dude, real down-the-earth, real nice guy. Um, And he's working on a lot of cool projects. He's going to talk about them.
2: Yeah, and you guys get a chance to check this out. So I know as everybody's getting ready for the marathons of A Christmas Story... Um, you know, most people out there know all the words, so this is going to be quite a treat for each and every one of you, we think, because you know, he lets us in on the inside scoop yep. of what went on behind. So let's do it. Let's roll it. Now this is a treat. Don't it, you think
1: it is? I've been talking to this guy for a couple of days and let me tell you, he's very cool. Really laid back dude. And I'm sure a lot of you remember him. I'm sure you all remember him. He was in a little movie called a Christmas Story. He was also in another small film called The Toy. The Toy with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. And we are talking about Scotty Schwartz. Scotty Schwartz, how you doing, brother? So how you doing? How you doing? There you go, a Jersey guy. He's got love that, it. He's got that accent going and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of Enzo and Cash from WWE. So Enzo's got this thing, you know, where he's just like, how you doing? How you doing? How you, <laughs> how you
1: doing? doing? Exactly. Very famous. So you're a big wrestling fan.
0: Yeah. I, I, I worked for them for, I, I, I worked for them. I ring crewed for about 16 months. It was the greatest non-fame job I ever had.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, when you're a fan of anything, you'll do it for, for cookies, for nothing, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, the, I met Big John Studd. If you remember him, he used to be the, the guy who used to face Andre the Giant all the time.
2: Oh, yeah, no know exactly uh, those,
0: yeah.
1: Of course. Met,
0: met him in an audition, and I knew wrestling. My mom was a fan of wrestling. My dad couldn't stand it, but my mom was a big fan. And uh, so I uh, talked to him this So he's like, hey, yeah, anytime you want to come and see me, let me know. Here's my home phone number, and uh, went and saw him, and then started meeting all the guys. And the next thing you know, I had a non-paying job. <laughs> that,
1: that's awesome. And I remember those guys like Pity Piper, was that his name?
2: Am I saying it right? Roddy, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper, yeah. That's when it was really big back then. Uh, Superfly Chinooka and Hulk, the Hulk Hogan, right?
0: Yeah, Rowdy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper was like a second dad. Uh, you know, we, we were very, very close no, for no many years, almost thirty you know, thirty years, you know, and then he passed on and you know, but that was my era. Randy Macho Man Savage and Miss Elizabeth, which I have a little eighteen month old mini teacup chihuahua and she's named after Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> that is and so cool. Bruce <laughs> Thiefcake and Hulk Hogan and Man. you know, just an an assortment of guys that became my friends and I was out of it for a while, and then met uh, Jerry the King Lawler, and Lawler kind of dragged me back in, and then I got to see some of my old friends, my ring crew buddies, and saw the McMahons, and wow. uh, Stephanie, Stephanie kind of looked at me like, I know you, but I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> You're that guy.
0: So sure, you know, exactly. I told her, you know what? do stuff for your dad. And she's like, oh my God, I remember you. My dad talked about you. Oh my God. And now it's, you know, they're like a a big second family of cousins that I see here and there.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, let's take it back to the eighties. Let's talk about that Christmas story. How how did you land that role? Easiest audition I ever had. Whoa. How's that? Whoa. What did you do? You just showed up.
0: (laughs) Honestly, that's pretty much all I had to do. Um, the toy had opened in the movie theaters already, you know, a couple of oh, weeks okay. before uh, I met up with Bob Clark, the director of Christmas Stories. So he had seen the movie already, and he just wanted to shoot the crap, shoot the bull. I walked in. How you doing? Nice to meet you. We talked for a little bit. He says, you know, I'm really hungry. I said okay. So you want to go out for a dirty water dog for a hot dog? I said, sure. <laughs> we went outside. My dad came. We had a hot dog. We continued to chit chat. We came back, and he said, "I got to tell you, it was really nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in."
1: That was it. That's sweet. That that's, that's a, it. Uh, it's and then he, than that. so you got the job immediately.
0: Oh, uh, within ten minutes, I walked up to my <laughs> agent's office, and uh, he had already called and said, "Oh yeah, Scotty got the movie. No problem." That
1: uh, was it. That's awesome. So, Flick was born in that moment.
0: <laughs> exactly. Flick was flick was made over a red hot dog in a condition of you.
1: <laughs> wow. That's awesome, man. So, now, you know the movie's played over and over again in December, and sometimes they do 24 hours. October.
2: And... It starts in October, I think. Yeah, it
1: probably does. So, do do you still watch it, or do you, you know, your family? Like, what does everyone think of this movie? You know… Personally,
0: I, I can't watch the whole thing. I, I watched it enough as a kid because when you do a movie with, with as, a, as, a, as a youngster, your family wants to watch it with you. Your friends want to watch it with you. Your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, right. everybody you know wants to invite you over to the house to watch it with you, as if you haven't seen it yet.
2: <laughs> so you're constantly acting around your family while you're watching oh, yourself man, acting. That's right? so
1: great.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean, I, I probably saw it, God knows, I don't know, 400 times. I watch, I, I watch just particular scenes that I like, you know, I, I like, you know, uh, the, uh, a few of the bully things. And then anything with, with Darren McGavin is great. For g it must be Italian and a funny <laughs> restaurant. But, but actually watch my scenes, you know, I just can't do it.
1: Right. Mm. Well, you have one of the most iconic scenes in the film with the pole and the tongue and the, uh, the triple dog dare, as they called it. Yeah.
0: Listen, I'm not not degrading it in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying it's me and I've seen it 400 (laughs) times.
2: You did, man. You were there.
0: You know, I'm married and divorced. I would, I could, I could almost like equate it because I have friends that have been married for many, many, many years. And it's like waking up the same morning next to the same chick. It's like, really? Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, you you've gotta do a lot of conventions and whatnot. And when you when you're out and you do stuff, what is what are the main things that when people come up and ask you about it? What do they ask you about about that?
0: You know, it's it's fans are wonderful and they're great. They all wanna have their moment and I understand it. Like, I I understand uh that they're not you. So, you know, they, they want to know that answer to the same question. How's your tongue? Was it real? <laughs> you know? Oh, man. People said, the plastic tongue. I'm like, no, it was a plastic soul. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bro, did you... Um... Yeah,
0: that's very typical, you know? And right. I mean, I've, I've said it for years, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing to have done something where I was a small piece of a big puzzle, you know, right. and I worked for six weeks, and two, two things came out of it that are really what anybody would consider cool. Number one is, is some, some great people out of Indiana, they, they erected a full size bronze statue of me with the tongue stuck to the pole.
1: That, <laughs> that there is an incredible compliment.
2: That is really is. Wow. Yeah.
0: There's, there's like 26 or 27 actors in the world who have bronze statues, I'm one of them. It's hysterical.
2: <laughs> that's that's it, really cool. It yeah. is
1: cool.
0: Oh, and the second thing is, it's also, it, it's a compliment to basically have the second most famous tongue in the world after Jason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh man, that's that, you said it perfectly. <laughs> so when you were making A Christmas Story, Did the cast, did the crew, did you guys understand what an iconic film it would be or or did you have no clue? No, this was
0: a movie that realistically never should have been made. I mean, that's sort of how things happen in in craziness, the, the world we live in. This was not a movie that MGM wanted to make. They had no interest in it whatsoever. And Bob Clark had done a bunch of small budgeted things and he did, you know, Uh, Black Christmas, and he did okay, fine, and did something else, okay, fine. And then he hit Porky's. Mm, And Porky's is the exact opposite of a Christmas story. It sure is. Yeah, you can't
2: get any different. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, it's not the wholesome film, it's the furthest away. So he does Porky's, and they wanted him to do a sequel. They wanted him to do Porky's too. And he said, absolutely, right after I do a Christmas story. Right. And they're like, no, no, you. You got to do Porky's right now. He's like, "Listen, Porky's is going to be an, a ten-week shoot, no special effects. It's going to be done real fast. I'm going to do my movie, A Christmas Story." They argued with him. They fought with him. They wouldn't give him a whole whopping five million dollars to make a Christmas Story. They would only give him four million.
2: <laughs> oh man! You know, Even after that success, well, wow.
0: today that's like nothing, but. Porky's had made so much money, they basically had no choice. This guy wants to make this little Christmas wholesome fun movie and then get back to penis jokes
1: in Porky's too and, <laughs> and all
0: that stuff. That they did.
1: Man, MGM is very happy that they decided to let him do his film. I mean, look at the success. I'm sure, yeah. Listen, they make a Christmas story, they
0: spent the money, then they didn't want to release it. They never wanted to put it in movie theaters. Wow, I didn't and know that. And because, because Bob Clark owned a piece of the film, he called Darren McGavin and said, "Listen, I want to pu- I want to buy this thing out from them and release it." And and Darren McGavin loved it. He said, "Absolutely, let's go do it." They started to talk to MGM about buying the film, and finally they said, "All right, listen, we'll just put this movie out. Shut up already." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Best decision you know? they ever made.
0: And 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 it gets made and. Uh, we come out, the first week it did okay, the second week all of a sudden people started coming out, the theaters went up, the third week the theaters went up. The fourth week, if, if my memory serves me, I think it was like Rambo 3 was coming out or something and knocked us out of most of the theaters and the following week we were gone. We were in the theaters all of one month.
1: Right. Mm.
0: They threw it on VHS, then it started to become this cult thing. People are, have you seen this movie Christmas Story? No. Here's my VHS copy. You got to watch
2: (laughs) it. Yeah, I remember that. I think I I had a copy of that from somebody else. Yep.
0: Yes. So people were, um, and then it kind of sat there and it just had this, this small cult following. Um, And in 96, which is 13 years after the film comes out, uh, Ted Turner was buying, most all of MGM's film library or a good piece of it. And the story as I've heard it is they needed two more movies to finish the package. Christmas story was not even on their radar, nothing. And uh, Ted Turner's secretary heard that they needed a movie from MGM and she knew Christmas story. And she said to Ted, have you ever seen this movie? And he said, no, no. Well, what do you think she did? She went home, and the next day, she brought in her VHS copy.
1: Wow, that's how it
0: happened. And Jane Fonda watched it in the office, and they said, oh, this is wonderful. And so they called MGM, and they threw it into the package. And then, you know, they put it on the 24-hour marathon, and the rest is kind of the, the re- rest. you the know. The rest is
1: history. The rest is history. culture. Yeah, and in, in about a month or two, it's going to start playing again. <laughs> again yeah, yeah. I
0: well, mean they, there's only been two films well three films they've done it with they did it with the Wizard of Oz they did it one year and it did okay and then they never did it again then they did it with um, uh, the Jimmy Stewart picture it's a wonderful life hmm. they did it the first year it did okay they tried it again and it didn't do so well and that was the end of that then they did it with Christmas Story and it started out okay And then the ratings went up the next year and then the ratings went up and the ratings went up and the ratings kept going up. And, you know, we're, this is basically like the 20th anniversary of the marathon and they still get over 50, 55 million, 60 million viewers. Wow. That, that, in to a movie that's 30 something years old, that's on VHS, DVD, on demand, Netflix, Hulu,
1: and it still shows. You know, what that tells you is how timeless it is, that the the generations, different generations are enjoying it. And I think it's going to continue. You know,
0: uh, uh, as they said, not that we make much of anything from it. It's more just nice that, you know, uh, for me, I guess I get phone calls from friends of mine, you know, at all godly hours of the day and night, (laughs) you know. My, you know, in the 90s, I was getting calls from, you know, Eric Davis and Cecil Fielder and Barry Bonds and all my baseball player friends and Shaquille O'Neal. And what, hey, dude, you're on. I'm like, it's 4.30 a.m. Are you seriously calling me, dude? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: if you're going to get called, those are some cool guys to get called by. Oh, yeah. 4.30 in the morning.
1: Tell us about the toy. Yeah, yeah. the toy. We want to hear about the toy. You work with two legends. I mean, Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Uh, You
0: know... An experience beyond imagination. You know, uh, I'll start with Gleason. He, he, everybody said he hates to work with kids and animals and, and it's going to be a <laughs> hard time. And I was a Gleason fan. So I knew him from The Honeymooners. I knew him from Smokey and the Bandit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would do impressions of him. And can he thought it was absolutely hysterical. Can, can, can you can, one?
1: can you do an impression?
0: Of of Gleason? Yes. Oh, okay. The scene where uh, uh, the guy knocks the door off the car and Gleason comes up to to Mike Henry, who plays Junior, and he goes, there's no way, no way that you could come from my loins. (laughs) First thing I'm going to do is punch your mama in the mouth.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I remember that. I remember that vividly.
0: That's where I started it, you know, and then it's, you know, I saw that you bitch. You're going to whittle your green. I've got the evidence. Junior put the evidence in the car. But daddy, I put the evidence in the car. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you, your ass in molasses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. He was so talented. I, so Gleason thought it was funny.
0: Dad, here's a kid who's four foot five. I weigh a whole whopping fifty two pounds, and I'm doing him. <laughs> and he he enjoyed it. He really enjoyed it to the point where he took the time over the course of the shooting to help me educate me. He taught me how to shoot pool in in the in the house.
2: Whoa!
0: Um, how cool is that? You know, it was phenomenal. You know, we had we had good fun conversations about vintage Hollywood. I was a big fan of, you know, the old days. So it's like you know, talking to him about music in the fifties with Sinatra. He loved it. I'm 14 years old. It was terrific. Wow. Um, so I got along with him and I mean, Richard Fryer, you know, there, there is no human on planet earth. I don't think has ever existed to be so kind, care, uh, not only say careful, Um, care, caring for me, caring for a kid, um, generous with his time, fun, was studious and wanted to be a teacher at the same time. He'd be sitting, reading a book, underlining something. And he would ask me, Hey, do you know much about world war two, or do you know much about this or that or whatever it was? And he would share things with me and teach me, you know, and that, that lasted the entire time we were on the set, off the set, after the set. And up until the time when he couldn't even talk anymore, you know, he was my, he was my friend. He was my older brother, my muse Right. He, beyond belief before you guys had started the thing. We had talked about coming to America. Yeah. Well, that all, that all was Richard. That all became because of Richard. I'm, I'm at his house one day and we were chit chatting and something came on with Eddie Murphy and I mentioned that I was a fan of Eddie Murphy's or whatever, and then he's like, who else do you like? And I was mentioning a bunch of people and whatever. And he's like, well, do you listen to you know, the comedy albums? And I said, "I said honestly, not really. I said, I've listened to yours. I said, I've listened to a couple of Red Fox albums. I like them, but not as much as you, or whatever. And about a week later, he calls me up. It's like 11.30 in the morning. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing, come on over to the house. So I go over the house. As soon as I walked in, we walked back out. I'm like, where we're we going? He goes, doesn't matter, come on, let's get the car. <laughs> Now, you have to picture this. This is a, you know, 40-something-year-old African-American gentleman driving the white boy in the white Rolls Royce.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a great visual. See what that looks like, yeah. That's awesome.
0: So we we go down into Hollywood. He takes me into Paramount. And if you know anything about the studios, you pull up to the gate, and the guy says, you know, can I help you, blah, blah, whatever. The guy looked looked at us, looks in the car and goes, oh, Mr. Pryor, how are you, sir? You go right ahead. So <laughs> respect. we took on the Paramount lot and he takes me up to the soundstage and the sign says, coming to America. Well, I don't know what that is. Remember, it's not made yet. It's just in production. So nobody knew what it was. And I walk in the door and we walked around for four minutes and there's Eddie Murphy. And <laughs> oh. Richard brings me over and says, uh, hey, Eddie, this is my boy Scotty from the toy. You know my little buddy this is? My, this is my little brother. That was it. I was in. Wow. wow!
1: you're there with two legends what a, what, how awesome is that man
0: wow uh, listen I mean I, I was there for a whole day so I met James Earl Jones and I met John Amos who's still one of my good friends and everybody and Arsenio and whatever and you know I'm, I'm Richard's boy which was fine right. it's okay for a little Jewish kid to be a black man's kid <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that not at all
0: no uh, you know by far though the most incredible human being i will ever meet it would take a miracle for anybody to knock him off you know that that
2: platform then you know thank you for sharing that because a lot of people ourselves included didn't even know the depths of how just how he was like that yeah the relationship that
1: you had with richard and it's great listen i mean
0: you know i guess it had to be about the time I had started working at the comedy store in the late 80s, and I, I was seeing Richard a lot, and we were at, um, oh God, Mel's Diner on Sunset one night, and it was late, and we kind of were sitting in the back, and his back was to the door so nobody could really see him and come over and bother him, whatever. And I said something, I said, listen, I said, you have no ego. You're, you are who you are. I mean, I know you're Richard but you have no ego. How is that possible? And he looked at me dead square in the face, as serious as a heart attack. And he goes, and how much does ego pay? Yes. And and I said, well, well, nothing. It's, it's a mindset. He goes, I understand that, but is it beneficial to me, my family, my home, my, my car payment, any of that? And I said, well, no. He said, and why bother to have it?
2: That's incredible. Wow, that's an, that is, it's spot on. Yeah. That's it's spot on. What a, what a thing for you to learn from someone like that. And this, you know, that's, that's amazing. Scotty.
1: I mean, you took it one step further. Don't, don't you celebrate him every year with something called the 10 days of Richard Pryor?
0: Honestly, I celebrate him every day. 365. All right. All right. Mm. He's in, he's in me. He instilled things in me. He taught me things. He showed me a path, you know, as as you know, and it's funny because I was at a certain age. You know, I had my fourteenth birthday while we were shooting the film. So I'm pre puberty. He would say to me, we would actually be sitting on our director's chairs and he'd look at me and say, So what do you think of her? And I'd like, go, <laughs> oh, she's 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 pretty odd. he'd go, Yeah, she was in my room last night.
1: Oh, <laughs> That's so great. Yo, man, you, when I watched a toy and, and you were in that warehouse, it was like your room with the pinball machines and everything. I, as a kid, I was like, man, I want to be in that room. Yeah. What did you, what did you feel like being on the set as a, as a 14 year old?
0: Um, I started, it was a job. I mean, that's, that's sort of like how I have to, to, to sort of put this in perspective. Right. the the beginnings of it was a job. I mean, the first day was a disaster. That's a whole different story. But once I got past that first, maybe week, it wasn't a job anymore. They made it fun. Richard made it fun. Richard Donner made it fun. The other, the crew guys made it fun. You know, I had a pinball machine in my hotel room. They said, what do you like to do when you're not on the set? And I said, well, I play pinball. I was a I used to play at the 42nd Street Arcade in Manhattan in New York, and I even have a certificate. I'm a pinball wizard.
1: Nice. Nice.
0: So so I play pinball. They said, oh, okay, no problem. They didn't even say anything to me. I got back to the room, and one of those haunted mansion pinball machines was in my room.
2: (laughs) Wow. That's they took care of you, man. Yeah, that, that was good looking out.
0: You know, at the time. You know, I'm not, I, you guys are probably in the vicinity of my age, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mattel in television had just come out. And so you had Atari 2600 and you had Mattel in television.
2: Right. I had them both. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Me too.
0: And they sent over five machines because we were promoting the film in the toys, in the toy store. I get Richard when you're seeing him and the wonder wheel kind of a side view behind us, you see a big sign, the and television. Great. They sent over five machines. So they <laughs> gave me one. So I had burger time and, Asteroids oh, and Missile yeah. Command.
1: Oh um, yeah. Yeah, man, you're bringing back some memories.
0: So I had those games. Well, one of the other people who got one was Richard, the normal schedule, five days a week, 11 to 1130 PM local time in Louisiana and Baton Rouge. The Honeymooners was on television on the local station. 11.32 my phone would ring. Scotty, it's Richard, come to my room. What's going on? No, I just gotta talk to you, come on over. Okay. So I'd walk across the, the courtyard where we were and I go up to his room, what's going on?
1: Listen, I just got this new game, Donkey Kong. Come on, we gotta play. <laughs> oh man, one of my all time favorites. <laughs> and and we
0: would play video games until four thirty, five o'clock in the morning I would go back to my room, pass out until six. They would pick me up in the car. I'd go back to sleep until I got over to the set, get over there, jump in the makeup chair, have a cup of coffee and a bagel, and I was ready to go.
2: (laughs) You were were living the dream, man. You were living the dream.
1: You were. I remember the scene where you and Richard were driving those kind of like go-karts around the lawn, crashing and everything. (laughs) I I feel like that must have been the time of your life.
0: Listen, they taught me how to ride a, ride a motorcycle. I was riding a Yamaha 40 and a Yamaha 60. And uh, then we had the little cars, the little white Camaro sports car thing and the truck and whatever. And uh, listen, it was party central. You know, th- everybody looks at things differently. Was there a job to do? Absolutely. I had everything down before I walked off the plane. I knew everybody's lines. I knew exactly where, what I wanted to do. And Richard Donner was cool enough that he just said, Hey, listen, go with what you think is, is is good. You know, work with Richard. Talk to Richard. He'll tell you, you know, prior. He'll tell you what okay, good. And that was it. And
2: we
1: made it fun. Yeah, man. You could tell, even watching the film, you could tell how much
2: it looked it's just a fun film it, to watch. It looked like you had a lot of a real good time. Might have been a job, but you really it really looked like a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, man.
1: Tell 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 us something that's really close to your heart about the um Minor consideration, what is that all about?
0: A minor consideration is a a 501c4 charity, which means we can change laws. A 501c3 is no different except you can't do legislation. And what it is, it's for child labor laws across the spectrum, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, models, all those things to make sure that laws are enforced. And, and created to protect children in the entertainment industry.
1: Wow, well, that, that, you know, that's been much so many
0: stories of There's been so many stories of parents just pissing kids' money away, um, taking advantage of them. You know, it, Unless they shoot in California or New York or Chicago um, or a few other states, there's no labor laws. You can, this is actually on the books. Um, it was done in the 30s when the studio heads, when Louis B. Mayer, and Jack Warner ran the studios
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it was a family. It was treated as a family. So when you had the Shirley Temples and Jackie Coogan's and Mickey Rooney's as a kid, they were protected because the studio heads made made sure they were okay, okay. the studio heads went to the lawmakers and said, listen, don't overburden us with children. There are children. They said, okay, to this day, the law is still active that says children in the entertainment industry are federally exempt from working laws.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Now, if you think about what that means, if you, a dog, a pony, any kind of an animal on a set, there's approximately 120 pages of legislature to protect that animal. Right. You bring a you bring a child, a human child on a set,
2: there's three paragraphs. That's crazy. That is, that's, that's insane. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's many, many states that have no child labor laws. They say we don't have to, Hey, it's covered. You guys are federally exempt.
1: You know, is, is that's that, it. is that why you see a lot of films and TV shows going out of Hollywood and shooting in other States? Mm-hmm. Of
0: course. Right. You know, you've got, You've got more studios going up in, uh, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Louisiana. They have very, very few labor laws to begin with, let alone child labor laws.
2: Right. Wow. never knew There's, that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, the one thing that I always say is we are a product. We are not a person. Children on a set are products. They use them, they get done with them, they're on to the next one. You know, it's the Rubik's Cube effect. You are hot today and you're not hot tomorrow. All right. Wow. You know, so part of what I particularly specialize in is I like to talk to the kids. I say, listen, I know you're 12 years old. I know you're on this TV series making $40,000 a week, which you don't, they don't even comprehend what that means.
1: You know, Yeah, they have no right. idea. Like, yeah. yeah, they're 12.
0: And I try and explain to them that being an actor is a wonderful job, but it's the worst job in the world because you make no decisions. You can be the greatest actor that has ever been created. However, if the guy across the table is looking for somebody two inches shorter or two inches taller, you don't get that job. You're looking for a kid with blue eyes. You have hazel eyes. Oh, you're out. They want blonde, you're brunette, you're out. They want, they want uh, Henry Thomas is a good example. Dead serious. I, I used to call him the Al Pacino of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> serious. Maybe, you know, before Pacino did a little comedy, but very serious. Whereas me, I was a wild card. I was fun and crazy and laughing. I was more the Gleason Pryor, let's go have a good time kid. Save your money. Understand, this is not going to last forever. Save your money. Be smart. You're on a set, especially kids on TV series. I tell them, every week, you're shooting. What do you want to do? Oh, I've had kids. I want to be a producer. Great. Do you sit in on the producer's meetings? Well, no, I just watch them. Forget that. Go ask the producer if you can sit in on a production meeting. I guarantee you he'll say yes. Because A, he wants you to be happy and not upset. And B, if you're showing that much interest, he wants to see what, what you can do. Mm. You wanna direct, you wanna produce, you wanna write, go sit on those meetings. You will learn so much. Just walk in, keep your mouth shut and your eyes and your ears open and you will get a free education that will last you until you are dead and you will always have a job.
2: Yeah, man, that's great advice. That's really smart, especially for starting so young. Where are you at right now as far as minor consideration? Are you pushing for any particular legislation? How far along are you?
0: Oh, we've changed legislature. It started in in 1989 by Paul Peterson, who was on the Donna Reed show, and he started for a different reason. He started it for uh, people in need. They needed to talk to somebody. A friend of his committed suicide, Mm -hmm. and he wanted to make a group of people who had been there? They had done that. So if somebody, you know, mentally is in trouble, they can talk to somebody. We have doctors now. We have lawyers. We have, a, you know, a, a doctors in all cases, whether it's a surgeon or whether it's a psychiatrist. You need something, and you call us. And as we say, you qualify, meaning you were a child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get you to the right person. Right. You know, none of us get paid. It's not a paying gig. You know, this isn't, you know, stand up to cancer where they have a board and everybody makes a quarter of a million a year to do this. We make nothing. I give anywhere from 10 to 25 hours a week talking to people. I had a young actress called me yesterday. She did a lot of stuff in the 70s. Her parents pissed all of her money away. I said, personally, I said, I don't know statute of limitations, what can or cannot be done. But this is the attorney to talk to. He specializes in this kind of stuff, entertainment law.
2: We could definitely tell you're passionate about it. I mean, you, and who better to talk about it than someone like you, you know, in your yeah, position I mean, coming up how you did.
1: Yeah, bro. You, you're, you're an advocate, and it shows how much you care about these kids. They need people like you because when you're 12, you, you don't know what's going on.
2: Yeah, you don't.
0: Oh, And, I mean, honestly, I, I hit the point where, and I say this, and, and I don't say with any disrespect to anybody, but I got tired of losing peers and friends. You know, Dana Plato goes and Haim went and uh, uh, Gary Coleman went and Jonathan Brandis, you know, hung himself. And, you know, what is it going to take? How many DUIs do we need to see? How many drugged out kids do we need to see? And I mean, on a big scale, is there drugs everywhere? Yes. Whether it's Oklahoma, Mississippi or L.A., it doesn't matter. There's kids on speed and on crack and on and and, you know, uppers downers, whatever I that was, that was just never me, but on kids in show business, you're under the microscope. Something happens. It gets blown way out of proportion. In most cases, how do we prevent that? You know, you you got a a 15 year old kid on a Disney show. He's beginning to hang out with the wrong crowd and his parent is concerned. And I did this. That's why I'm sort of telling the story. Mm -hmm. And, um, I talked to the mom, I went to see the kid. I said to her, listen, I said, I'm gonna take your son out for a little drive. You'll be fine, just you gotta take my word for it. And she's like, okay. And I took the out to the kid on the, on the Sunset Boulevard and I stopped in front of the Viper Room.
2: Oh, River Phoenix.
0: And I stopped him, I stopped him right there and I said, listen, I said, uh, do you know who River Phoenix is? Now the kid's 15 years old. He says, no, I have no idea who that is. I said, okay. I said, you are standing on the spot that he OD'd. He dropped dead exactly where you're standing. He's like, okay. I said, he was a child actor, just like you. And he started hanging out with the wrong crowd, just like you. It starts out with a little smoking of pot and a little drinking, and then it goes to different places. And then we continued to talk, and I got back in the car, and we went someplace else and talked, and then I took him home, and I said, listen. I said, you know the work I've done. You've you've been watching me for years, and he was a big fan. I said, I have one request. It's sort of your homework that's going to take you about three minutes. He's like, okay. I said, go on Google and look up the Wikipedia page for River Phoenix. I want you to read it. Just think about it and put yourself in his shoes at the age and what you're doing. I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not your daddy. I'm just going to tell you. We don't want to see this happen to you. We want you to be happy, be wealthy. By the time you're 18 or 20 years old, you don't have to work another day in your life, but have a good life, a a fun life. And he looked at me and said, okay. I talked to his mom for a few minutes and I went home. She called me up two weeks later. She's like, my kid hasn't said five words about you. But on the other hand, he has not seen those people. He hasn't been drinking. He hasn't been smoking pot. And I don't even know how to begin to thank you. I said, you don't have to thank me. Him listening and learning is thanks enough. I wanted to just put this in this kid's head. Right. And it worked.
1: Yeah, you, you made a point, and he
2: listened. Wow, big, big, and, big props to you, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro, that's awesome. Real, really, a real, lot of respect.
0: It, it's tough. Now, I'll give you the other side of the coin. Frankie Munoz, I'll even tell you who he is. He was doing Malcolm in the Middle. He's making five six 600000 a week. And next door to, to their soundstage, the other back of the soundstage, was a show called Titus that was shooting on Fox. The younger brother in Titus was Zach Ward, who played Scott Farkas, the bully, in Christmas Story. Oh, okay. okay. So he and I are friends, and I'm going over the set all the time, and one of the guys, one of the crew guys from Malcolm in the Middle came over to me and said, Scotty. Can you try and talk some sense into this kid's head, please? He's an idiot. And I said, Okay. And we were shooting basketball all the time on the side of the soundstage. stage, so I'm Frankie, he was cool, okay. And one day I just said, I said, listen, you're in season like nine or ten, whatever it was, you got a couple more years to go. What are you going to do after this? He said, so I'm, I'm gonna produce. I said, That's wonderful. Are you going to the production meetings? No. Then how are you gonna know how to produce? Well, I'll figure it out. Okay. Mm. If that doesn't work, what else? Well, I want to write. That's wonderful. Are you going and sitting in with the writers? No. Mm. How are you going to learn how to write? Oh, well, I can read a script. Great. Strike two. So I said, let's just say for all intents and purposes, that doesn't work. What are you going to do? The answer of the decade, I'm going to become a race car driver.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. What? Yeah, that's he, the answer to the decade. He bro. said that. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you watch Fox or ever watch the Indianapolis 500, I don't see Frankie Munoz sitting in the car.
1: No, you, me so, either. Yeah, bro, I haven't seen that. It,
0: uh, <laughs> it took him a couple of years, and he burned through all the money, lost the multi-million dollar house in Malibu, and where do you see him now?
1: Nowhere. You don't.
0: Exactly. You know, some you can call saving. I don't call it saving, I call it it helping. You know, because I'm a little bit older and I'm a little bit wiser and I just say listen, I know you're on top of the world, I understand that. However, the gravy train is going to end. Believe it or not guys, I swear to you, and I just gotta think for a minute. This was two weeks ago, so this is the first interview I've done since this happened. I ran into Justin Bieber.
2: Oh, okay. okay.
0: He was in Jerry's Deli in Studio City, and he had, I had just left, and he was going in, and I said, oh, this is going to be fun. I said it to myself. He was there with, with two of his boys in the booth, and one guy is sitting on the outside, and I went up to him and introduced myself. He didn't have a clue. He didn't know who the hell I was. Right. His, <laughs> boys, his boys knew who I was, though. So I'm talking to him, and I'm giving him the speech. Wow. And he's like looking at Huh? Okay. Uh Uh-huh. That sounds good. Okay. You know, whatever. I talked to him for a few minutes. Maybe 10% of it got in, maybe not. Listen, you can can lead the horse to water. You can't make him drink. Okay, fine. So the other guy that was standing outside the booth, he came over and he said, hey, you know, they're going to order. And I said, oh, okay, fine. And I started talking to him. The first thing he says to me is, who the hell are you? Huh. Nobody, nobody talks like that. Nobody has any concern. Nobody has any care. They want an autograph and a photo op, and they want to go gaga because they're in front of Justin Bieber. And he goes, you could have been talking to anybody. And I said, that's right. I said, the kid's sitting there. He eats, sleeps, and bleeds just like I do. I said, the difference is he's got nine zeros in his bank account, and I don't. (laughs) I'd like him to save his nine zeros so when this all ends, by the time he's 30 or whatever and he's yesterday's news, He never has to look back with any regrets, and he's got plenty of money to do anything in the world that he wants. If he wants to quit show business, buy a 100-acre ranch in Montana, he can do it Exactly. and live happily for after. I
1: I, I think a kid actor who did it right you worked with. um, The actor who played Ralphie in The Christmas Story, isn't he a big producer now? Peter Billingsley
0: runs uh, um, – Oh my God! Vince Vaughn's production company.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah, he did Iron Man. At,
0: and that's well. At the time, first he was friends with John Favreau for years. I mean, they go all the way back to the Rudy days. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, from the story I understand is Favreau asked him uh, if he could help a buddy of his out. He was coming to L.A., didn't know anybody, and yeah, sure, okay, fine, you know. And even so much as gave the guy a hundred bucks for his head shots. and the guy said to him. If I ever make it in this town, you're my boy. And that guy was Vince Vaughn.
2: Whoa. That is so cool. Wow. Just from being cool and being a nice guy. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's not even a matter of being a nice guy. If we're homies and you're my buddy and you say, hey, listen, you got a two-bedroom apartment. I got a studio. I got nowhere to put this guy. He's a nice guy. He's an actor. You know, he's coming up help him out for a couple of weeks to get on his feet. Well, of course you're going to say yes. Your friend's asking you to do him a favor. Of course you're going to do it. You right. know, and it's, you know, and I'm, I make a joke. I mean, I've done stand up and whatever. And I say, listen, I've had a hundred people sleep on my couch. Not one of these freaking people have ever done a goddamn thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about, um, I'm real curious your opinion. Cause Jason and I had talked about this in a couple other episodes. Yeah. The whole Corey Feldman deal because he was another big 80s kid actor and I see him doing this crazy
2: routine oh, yeah. on the Today Show. I mean, did you see that? What's your interpretation of that? Can you give us an interpretation?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh
0: um, let's see, let's see. How do I want to say this to be semi-politically correct and not be politically correct? Um, he is stuck in 1987. He's always been that way. He's the exact opposite of Richard Pryor because Feldman's ego is bigger than the Grand Canyon. Um, He believes the press. He believes who he is. And has he had an easy go of it? No. Most of it's been self-induced. You know, when you piss it away on drugs and booze and broads, that's what happens. Um, He has survived with a lot of luck. He has survived with a lot of people feeling sorry for him he blamed his father for actually stealing his money which was inaccurate it's sort of like the, the, uh, the debate last night you could have put Feldman on that stage <laughs> <laughs> you know because basically 85% of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is bull it's just total baloney um, yeah, he blamed his father for stealing his money which his father didn't do actually sat down with him one time and broke it all down with him and it came down to $8,000 a year was missing, quote-unquote missing. And I said to him, I said, this is funny because we haven't put a shirt of clothing on your back or food in your stomach. So now tell me how much money your father stole from you. And he said, Oh, that can't be right. Okay, dude. You know, he yeah. said, I made this much money, $1.2 million, $1.3 million. I said, okay. He's like, well, I should have one point three I said, what, what life are you living? What planet are you on? I said, do you understand you have cousins and uncles? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, your uncle, Uncle Sam. He's your favorite <laughs> guy. you got to pay him 30%. Oh, yes. You've got a cousin in the state of California. They want another 10%. Then you've got an aunt. She's your agent. She takes another 10%. Then you've got a PR guy. They're taking four, three, four thousand 4000 a month. And, I mean, it went on and on, of just things that were completely oblivious. You know wow. he's got this michael jackson thing because that's what he think is cool and you know and 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 people laugh at him yeah you know he, yeah. he's just away more money doing albums that nobody's ever bought you know ever
1: you know it's, um, it, it's funny you mentioned the michael jackson connection with cory feldman i remember watching dream a little dream and even in that he did this kind of dance some in part of that movie where he seemed to be imitating Michael Jackson, and, and it continues today. So, like you said, he's oh, he's living in in those times.
0: Yeah, he's he's stuck back there. You know, he wants to be Hugh Hefner because oh. he's got his house with his girls, his angel girls, and they all wear the white wings and they do the the lingerie and all the nonsense. And they have rules they have to live by in his house. Oh man!
1: Mm, wow! It's
0: craziness! <laughs> oh, it's crazy! It's all out there. It's not like it's stuff that I'm saying it's inside information. He did a uh, celebrity wife swap with Tommy Davidson, and it was all there. His girlfriend got on Tommy Davidson's countertop naked, having sushi on her body so Tommy Davidson could eat it off there. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Tommy Davidson said, what are you doing? Get the hell out of my house.
2: This is like the polar opposite to everything you already talked to us about. You know? Yeah. <laughs> crazy. What not to do? <laughs> What not you know, to do. I mean,
0: he's, he's one of the, you know, I don't say bad things about many people. I believe in, if you treat me with dignity and you treat me with respect, that's
1: how I'm going to treat you. You right. don't, this is what you're going to get.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, man. It's sad. It, yeah. is, it is sad. Yo, and tell me what you've been working on. You said you have a new TV show. I, I, we need to hear about that.
2: Yeah. It's
1: a new TV show. It's called Flashback
0: Fridays. It's on Vimeo On Demand. So it's vimeo.com backslash on demand backslash flashback Fridays, just like it's pronounced. I've got a band behind me on stage. Uh, I've got five shows in the can so far, two with Anthony Michael Hall, one with Frankie Benetti, the drummer from Quiet Riot. Nice. Frankie is awesome. Um, We did a show with um, Jeremy Miller from Growing Pains. And a show with Michael Paré, who was the star of Eddie and the Cruisers and Streets of Fire. Oh, yeah. And many other films and
1: TV shows. Man, you have some great guests. We'll definitely get a link up for you on our um, website and our, our social media.
0: That'd be great. And I'm going to be shooting some more shows in about a month. You know, again, until I shoot them, I can't say, oh, I'm going to have this person, this person. If anything happens and people go, hey, you said this. No, I don't do that. Right. But, um, you know. We'll uh, stay on top of very it. Very fortunate that I've, I've been around. You know, uh, my, my first commercial shoot that I did was March of 77. So as of the end of March of, of next year, we're five, six months away, I will have been in the business for 40 years. Wow. And I'm not screwed up. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not on drugs. I don't drink more than maybe a glass of wine here and there. Um, you know, I can tell you I've done cocaine one time in my life, but it was sort of—I didn't really have much of a choice. When women are getting naked, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was actually—I I was 19 years old. I did it, and honestly, the next morning I got up and I made one phone call. Believe it or not, this is absolutely true. I called Richard Pryor. Oh wow! And I said, "Did this last night?" And this is what happened. And he said, "Well, are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah." You know, it was just something small and whatever. He says, "Well, you know." You, you, you pushed the envelope a little bit, you didn't go crazy, and I understand, and then all he wanted to talk about was how many of them did I stop, and that was- <laughs>
1: Getting right to the important stuff. Oh, man, that's great. But yeah, man, the TV show sounds exciting. It sounds really cool. Yeah, you were telling me it's that- Maybe it's fun. We had,
0: um, I don't know if you know that by name, but the guy's name is Charlie Schlaughter.
2: I don't. He no,
0: Okay, the movie 18 again with George Burns. Oh, so of course. Like I, Freak, and they change places.
2: Yeah, I know that one. Remember I know the, the film. Original swap things like a Freaky Friday. I remember those. Yes. those came out.
0: And, he, and then he's the star of a movie called Heartbreak Hotel where uh, him and um, Tuesday Weld plays his mother. He kidnaps Elvis Presley who uh, David Keith is playing. They kidnap Elvis and it's kind of this cute little movie which is wonderful. That sounds um, so really he's cool. actually the drummer, he's the drummer and the leader in the band, so I asked him if he would come and do it, and if, and he couldn't say yes fast enough, because he and I are friends, and we had a blast, and it was great. So, I mean, here we are on a stage, and we've got toys and games that are vintage from the 80s and 90s, um, and everything from Godzilla things to... Uh, my little girl, my little my little doggy, Miss Elizabeth. I made an action figure of her, <laughs> a Star Wars action figure. And I had WWF action figures and a Hulk Hogan cape from um, Thunder Lips from Rocky
1: Three. Yo, man, you're you're a man after my own heart. You're yeah, you're, you're right. a collector, and if you saw our studio, I have so much memorabilia and cool things. You would definitely appreciate. Yeah, it. Yeah, you totally dig it. <laughs>
0: Well, my dad's had for the last uh, 28 years, going on 29 years, my dad's had a shop here in the Los Angeles area. Um, it's called Sports and Movie Stuff, and it's in Simi Valley, California, and it's about 4,000 square feet of stuff.
1: Yo, Jason and I will make a trip there. A we pilgrimage. Yeah, we have to see that.
0: It's, it's walking in the museum. You want to see stuff from the 20s? No problem. You want to see stuff from the 70s and 80s and 90s? You got it. He doesn't buy the new Funko pop head things. That's not what he does. You want stuff, Roy Rogers, Hopalong Cassidy, Vintage right. Disney.
2: Authentic. You know, yeah, the Authentic. Stuff.
0: To- photos, toys, games, dolls, action figures, any of that kind of stuff, that's what you come there
1: for. Did, did um, Scotty, did you keep any um, props from your films or, you know, memorabilia? Uh, the toy...
0: I have my military uniform. I have my motorcycle uniform. Uh, I had the Spider-Man pajamas. Somewhere at the bottoms. <laughs> they, they threw legs and ran away, but the, the, the top I still have.
1: Um, I remember I those. Some other,
0: some other shirts and stuff that they gave me. Christmas Story, zero.
1: Nothing. It was all rented stuff.
2: Oh, okay. It was all rented. with that but with that budget you mentioned earlier I could see that yeah yeah four million dollars doesn't go far
0: I mean uh, Peter has one of the bunny suits that they made for him because it was specially made for him and the kid that plays Randy the little brother Ian the he has one of the snow suits because again they made it specially for him and they gave him the Zeppelin they gave him the Zeppelin from the Christmas tree scene nice Cool. You know, outside of that, nothing. And then I did another film called Kidco, and you know, I got a few pieces. I know I got my boots, and I got a couple of shirts somewhere. They're in boxes, you know. That's cool, um, man. That's cool. The you mem- know, it's the memory. I was more after. I was really when I was doing the tour. I was after Richard's stuff. You know, even back <laughs> then, I was like, you know, I wanted his Spider Man pajamas, you know. And I asked him one time for his. I, I went on the set when he was shooting Brewster's Millions because they shot in Manhattan in New York, and he introduced me to John Candy and all that, and that was great and whatever. And I told him I wanted the Chicago Cubs thing because I was always, I was always a, 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 a diehard Yankee fan, and that was always my first team, and the second team was always the Cubs. And he's like, one of these days I'm going to find this shirt and send it to you, and that just, it just never
1: happened. That's just the way things go. I just never bothered him for it again. All right. Mm. Yeah, you were telling me, we have a lot of listeners who uh, watched – um, a dance show that Jason and I were on Dance Party USA, and you mentioned that you remember the show. Is that true?
0: Yes, I knew a, a member of the cast, yes.
2: Cool, cool. Yeah.
0: Well, her name—her first name was Casey. I don't know what she went back then as a last name, but uh, she was, one, I guess, one of the dancers on the show with, with during Kelly's time there, and right. uh, she uh, she was my ex-wife.
1: Oh, oh! We have a connection. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're from Jersey, so the show is really big in the tri-state area, and um, yeah, man, we had a lot of fun.
0: Well, listen, you know, if if you guys are big in the tri-state area, October twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth that's Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday and Sunday is the Chiller Theater show. It's in Parsippany, and you can go to chillertheater.com. dot com. They've theater. got about seven celebrities there, including Neat and from the Rocky R Picture Show. And Tim Curry is doing an appearance. He's going to do photo ops. Um, nice. And I, there's there's a there's a group of celebrities. I will be there handling some of the folks. Michael Paré will be there. Frankie Benali will be there. Good um, good lineup. Hottie Field, who did Wishmaster and some voiceover stuff for Shrek and uh, and one of the Star Wars animated series. Um, Still working some things out with a few other people, but uh, you know it's it's a great show. If people like science fiction, horror, sci-fi, any kind of movies, you know, at all, their dealer's room is a couple of hundred dealers of of, of memorabilia stuff, and of course there's like seventy celebrities to come out and see. So you know, it's Schiller Theater in Parsippany.
2: Got cool. what, what's the date again? What are the dates?
0: October twenty 29th, and thirtieth.
2: Yeah, do you ever make it to Vegas?
0: Oh sure. I have friends in Vegas. Actually actually I don't want to forget her name because she's one of the guests that's gonna be there is Terry Weigel.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, I remember her.
0: And Terry Weigel was actually on Married with Children. She's the great looking brunette who got who comes in and she's like shoe man. Shoeman, you gotta help me shoeman. <laughs> and they always stuff the and, and the the guy that's um Darcy's husband and I can't remember his name in the show now.
2: Oh, I know who he is. I can see I could see his face. I don't know his name either.
0: Sir Darcy, he would always say, No, I'm sorry, we're closed and she goes, That's funny. Most of the time they close the door when I'm inside. And then she <laughs> leaves. She was also she was a Playboy Playmate. Um she uh I remember was her. in return of the attack of the killer tomatoes. Oh yeah, big George one. Co-friend.
2: I think I remember that VHS <laughs> cover.
1: That's cool, mm. man. Yo, bro, it was a great time talking to you. Did you did you enjoy your conversation, or what do you think? Oh, these are great. This is fun. Awesome. We'll definitely hook up with you in LA in the future. I, you got to bring us over to your father's store. That
2: yeah,
1: that, that would sounds be... incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're coming here, that's good. If I'm going to Vegas, I'll let you know. I, I'm uh, my friend is the vice president of the Arena Football League. Their offices are in Vegas. They're off the two hundred so, right. and fifteen. So anytime there i come out that
1: way anytime awesome bro we really appreciate it and um we'll definitely be speaking to you again thanks scotty take you care. guys
0: be well and i'll talk to you guys soon you take got care, it man bro. you're
2: the man thanks
1: now bro that was a ton of fun that was great he he's so cool man he's like just one of the guys
2: he's one of, totally we we'll would be it? sitting here right now having a beer or whatnot and he's exactly. just so
1: cool and you know he um that new show he's working on he said his first guest that he's working on a tv show is Anthony michael hall and mm-hmm. that's a great first guest yeah i'm excited to see that show
2: i'm excited to see what they talk about you exactly. know exactly they're probably they're boys from back in the day these guys yeah you know? exactly running running around doing all those movies together so there you go there's scotty schwartz there's an inside scoop on you know that movie we all know backwards forwards inside out and Yeah, He
1: also gave us a great insight about the toy and about his personal relationship with Richard Pryor, which I really loved hearing about me too.
2: I I didn't know any of that. Yeah. You don't think you don't know any. And the fact that Jackie Gleason embraced him, you know, he didn't like pets or
1: kids. You you know, what's amazing that, that Scott was um, standing between Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor, two legendary comics and actors. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get better than
2: that. Wow. So when we, when we, uh, we're planning a little trip out to L.A. to go talk to a couple people. And we're definitely going to see Scotty and go check out the... Uh, yeah, we want
1: to check out his memorabilia store yeah, with his it's pops. Dead place. Yeah, dad's place. Sounds like a lot of fun. We'll definitely do that.
2: So, is it that time? It is that time. Come on. You, you, I think uh, we have a little I, theme. I'm not
1: doing a jingle. You do <laughs> it. You
2: no, know, but you did a great one last time. The mailbag. That's it's it. the mailbag. Yeah, hey, done hey, done hey, done hey, done. hey, 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 hey. Give me the mailbag. <laughs> That's it. Great. You're awesome. Oh, shit. So, what do we got? What do we have? You've got... Some comments, don't you? You want me to read the comments? Okay, email? I'll read the comments Yeah, read first. the comments.
1: These are from our social media places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You like that? I like that. Direct messages. First one is from Patty Mar Maracona. She wrote before. Okay. Patty's a, one of our listeners. She says, I think this was the funniest podcast yet. Between you guys being so silly and the little clips you were playing, I was cracking up driving to work. Love that you have made your glitches part of the show. Shows you what good sports you both are. As always, great show. Ah, see, that's nice. We are good sports. We 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 actually the glitches is part of. of that's the best fun. It's actually a big part of the show. We enjoy busting each other's chops.
2: Yeah, we you know we, we rib each other, and it's all it's, it's all in good fun. It's all in love. We've been doing it forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: This one's from, next one is from Katerina Denise. She says, the podcasts are great. Bobby and Jason, keep it up. The 80s rock, and so does Bobby and Jason.
2: Yeah, rock! Rock, rock.
1: rock. Thank you, Katerina. And the last comment is from Christian Kennedy Preachers. She says, I am finally getting to listen to the first episode. Going to listen to the rest this week. Well, you're going to be very busy if you're going to listen to all of them. There's like 15 now. She said, so many memories. I got a chance to be on a couple of the multi-filming days of the show. The show. And it was a great time. It was. Back in that the day, it was a lot of fun. Back in the day, it was a lot of, it was really cool. It was fun. So what do you got?
2: <laughs> you're like, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <You're> funny. <laughs> okay. Holly Klovitz. I don't think I could screw this up. What's up, Holly? Oh, what's up, Holly? Here we go. It's a short one, but it's a good one. Dumbest, awesomeness, Bobby and Jason podcast <laughs> ever. Ah, okay. I like listening it. to you guys brings it all back. I'm a kid again. I still have a picture of Bobby. He signed when I mailed him. Mail. Mail. There you go. Okay. Get it right. It was, was, was mailed back in the eighties. Love the Facebook page. One day I'll get brave and I'll say something. Well, you know, I'm in the same boat with you, Holly. P.S. Love your dog babies. Yeah, love Holly. Oh. We love our dog babies, too. <laughs> there we go.
1: We got Harley the Frenchie and Jason's pug. Sammy the pug. Come on, pal. Sammy
2: the pug. Yeah, Sammy's very cute and very healthy. And, and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plump. And, and Harley is very, very yippity-yappity sometimes. Yeah, she's uh, uh, full of energy, I that think, one. I, you know, as a matter of fact, I think in this podcast, she makes an appearance during the end. You'll hear Harley. I think so. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, so, well, bro, it's over. What a show! It's sadly
1: over, and it was a great show. Scott Schwartz, the man, the myth, the legend. So
2: I double dog dare you, Roberto. Give me a little countdown out of okay, here.
1: This podcast will self-destruct in five, five four, three, three, two, one. one. Boom! Boom! we'll see you later, everybody.
2: Take it easy, everyone.